I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Hello and welcome to our very special end of year spool podcast with myself, Nigel Wheatley and Pork McGill. Hey Pork. Hi, how's it going? So just uh, last week, we took a look back at the best films of the decade, got into a slightly uh, introspective, reverential, praiseworthy review mode. And one of the challenges we had with that was a lot of stuff was fresh in our memory. How does that stuff hold up against what we actually saw in the last previous years? Anyway, um, what we're doing now is we've got a list of probably kind of 20 to 30 films between us uh, in terms of also rounds and top 10s which uh, we would rate and would recommend people watch um, in the next couple of months if they've kind of missed stuff. Anyway, so without yeah, further nice ado. Yeah, kind of over the Christmas break to catch up on some stuff. Absolutely. So a lot of this stuff might be online. Some of it might be on Netflix. Some of it might be, you get your Blu-ray. If you want to ask Santa Claus, find it on Amazon. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, so I suppose what we've done is we've both come up with a kind of like, here's some films that didn't really make it. Didn't just make so it, yeah. So we might just do one each so i'm just gonna kick in angel has fallen wild what yeah loved it great experience seeing it with my younger sister we had a great time saturday was, morning it's quite fun yeah. yeah one from you uh the favorite didn't make it into the top 10 close it's it's been a very good year for film so right. just kind of nipped it all right so uh free solo the documentary Didn't about uh, free climbing michael d higgins saw it and liked it brilliant can you ever forgive me um the, that was this year. Yeah, Richard E. Grant. Richard E. Grant and, and Miss McCarthy. Yeah. Wow. So it was very start of the year. So again, just kind of, just didn't quite make it. But a really lovely film, memorable. One of the Oscar contenders for last year. So Very good. All right. Amazing Grace is, is mine. The Aretha Franklin uh, unearthed uh, concert footage that apparently um, she didn't allow anyone to see until she died. So uh, just one of the most raw... Uh, concert experiences you could you could see it and makes just us, it makes it into one of our uh, friends of spool top tens excellent all right uh the fire festival documentary oh yeah one of two fire festival documentaries yeah, so to i think the one in. that most this the netflix one seen. yes yeah very good yeah. Uh, joker also made it didn't make it into my top 10 i have that here okay uh i've got diego maradona documentary about mm. Your man, the bowl, the bowl, really good. Yeah. the bowl, Maradona. There seems to be another one about him on Netflix at the moment, but specifically about him at a, managing a team or something. It keeps popping up as a documentary on Netflix. Okay. Uh, one for me is Us. Didn't quite make it into oh, my top ten. It's in my ten. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Didn't have it even as an also ran. Didn't make really? it into my top ten. Shocker! Yeah. I mm. thought you'd have that in there. No. Uh, you got one. Uh, Irishman. Didn't quite make it into the top 10, so it's an also hey, ran. We'll talk about it in I'm a bit. I'm trying to figure out if I'll spend the time over Christmas watching it again. Yeah. You know. I'd love to. I think you should watch it with your dad in like two bits or three bits or I don't know how you'll yeah. <laughs> set aside a did week you for see it. somebody did the tweet that you said what they would do? Yeah. Yeah. Telling you at the points at which to take a break. Everyone I've talked to, such a difference with the Irishman, uh, the people who've watched it at home and are like struggling to get through it but like admiring it and have issues with the motion capture and they're bored and they're like what a pointless exercise and then the people who saw it in cinema so gas crack um i got knives out saw this a couple of weeks ago um daniel craig agatha christie homage yeah. uh, another one for me the last black man in san francisco saw it about a month ago really good uh nice wee film but it uh, didn't quite make it into the top 10 cool we got eighth grade for me oh yeah so that's not in anywhere near mine and the last one for me that's a near miss 
uh, on the top 10 is Frozen 2. only saw it a week ago. And in keeping with tradition of the first Frozen film, I saw it by myself. Uh, very enjoyable, you know. It uh, doesn't have as many bangers as the first film, but uh, some good songs. The animation is brilliant and there's a lot of weird animation and it's, it's quite cool. What was, your crowd, what was your crowd like? What time did the day go? Night time? Late, like half seven. Ah, yeah. At least it'd be like, there'd be loads of kids out. And I was like, don't, it's half seven. Walk in, there's a two-year-old sitting behind me. And I was <laughs> like, oh, okay. Uh, they're meant to be in bed. Like, shouldn't you be right. in bed? I've got two uh, monos. Uh, is mine? Is that in your ten? No, no. Uh, so this Wasn't was the kind in of love with that. Is yeah, know. I got a lot of praise. Um, uh, it's sort of I don't know. We we it's sort of a Werner Herzog, Apocalypse Now kind of world of a film set somewhere in South America and blah, Columbia. Blah. One would imagine. I Columbia. think. Yeah. yeah, and then the last one that nearly I really really struggled with this and my number ten that I'm just going to talk about in a second if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, Hustlers. Uh, oh okay yeah. yeah so just again i didn't rate it that highly when i saw it but just lots of stuff has stuck with me and as a cinematic experience uh great did stuff. avengers endgame come out this year mm-hmm. yeah captain yeah. marvel was more enjoyable for me than yeah avengers. and a spider-man film as well that was shite though uh no, or you went to it. london yeah i loved it oh good okay. fun good okay. fun keep it simple um all right so if you're happy enough, I'll kick off. So my number 10 is a film that uh, you had at the very top of your list, Us. So it was never going to beat Get Out, obviously, because Get Out was one of my favorite films of the decade. Yeah. But um, this was Jordan Peele's follow-up to that, which I don't know. It's anyone who hasn't seen it. It's a bit hard to, to describe. Um, yeah. Doppelganger horror film. Yeah. Like, I was almost like, is that a spoiler? But no. So people who are tethered to souls in a kind of an underworld environment and it kind of is set in the um 80s i think isn't it and or oh, like certainly no, references there's a flashback to the 80s it's, yes it's sorry, present sorry. day yeah and then it kind of flashes back flashes to back to that to, to at that point yeah so clearly i've forgotten lots about it but um really really good cinematic experience seeing that and yeah just big fan yeah, of it great song in it i got five on it which also features in another film that I can't remember, or is it? Yeah, sorry. Anyway, so my number 10 is Greta, uh, directed by Neil Jordan, uh, Isabel Hubert, and Chloe Grace uh, no, Mortis. Nothing to do with the time person of the year. No. Greta Thunberg. Or Greta Gerwig. Greta is very in name. Uh, yeah, so it's great. Really kind of old school, creepy mystery. Uh, Isabel Hubert plays an older woman who kind of friends chloe grace mortez and then once they're hooked in they can never you know it starts to become a really creepy horror film and uh it's yeah uh, really enjoyable um great show from neil jordan and um yeah really enjoyable it's very good it didn't make much of an impact did it i don't think so kind of come out middle of the year maybe and just kind of disappeared in the summer but I think it's really uh, enjoyable. Yeah. I fear... So I haven't seen Gre- uh, Greta. I did wonder, not by accent or design, like part of this that I realized when I was going down to my list and reading other people's lists, um, the films in my list are only things I've seen in the cinema. That is kind of not... It was only when I was going through it in the end, I realized that that's what was being formed because I always have better experience watching yeah. something intended for the big screen on the big screen. And it happened last year, even though I watched a lot at home. So... There's going to be stuff here that um, is in your list that I haven't seen. And likewise, I imagine there's a few that I'll have that you won't have seen. But hey, that then gives us something to watch over Christmas. Exactly. So anyway, mine at number nine is Burning. Did you get to see it? No. 
All right, on the, on the long list for the Academy Award uh, Best Foreign Language Film last year, from the Korean director Lee Chang Dong, and it's a mysterious, weird, and mystifying film about... Uh, tells the story of a, of a guy who goes back to a... I think it's set... I'm not sure about... Uh, I guess set in Korea, obviously. I don't know. But anyway, a guy goes back to his town. He meets a girl who he knows from his his neighborhood and they have a chat. She immediately then says, will you mind my cat? Uh, he says, yeah, no problem. Lord. Um, she goes away and he goes in, feeds the cat, never sees the cat. Important detail, never ever oh. sees the cat. So you're like, is there ever a cat? Then she comes back from her trip with Africa. There's this guy hanging on to her. Um, his name's Ben. He's really weird and creepy. But the three of them kind of hang out a little bit. And you're like, this is a strange kind of dynamic. Then uh, he says he likes burning things. That's his kind of hobby. He reveals this thing. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? He burns greenhouses and he's gonna. he does this every month. That's his thing. And then she disappears. And then he obviously pins this all on Ben. And the whole thing kind of is like, oh, did you do it? Did you? And then, you know, eventually the film kind of spirals into a situation where like, you know, he's like, oh, I found the cat. Did he steal the cat? And blah, blah, blah. Just oh, loads okay. of creepy scenes. So kind of started the year film. Obviously if it was Oscar contender. Uh, yeah, I think we got it in spring at some point. But I got to it on a kind of a weekday afternoon when I was meant to, meant to be. In, Babysitting. I was going to say in work. I think I split my work day or something. And I just went to the cinema in the afternoon to get a bit of headspace. And this absolutely floored me. So there you go. That's called Burning. Um, one to look out for. Uh, my number nine is, I think it would feature on your list. I'd be surprised if it didn't, is Ad Astra. Oh. Ad Astra is not on my list. I thought about it a lot as a film. Yeah. Kind of, in a way, sort of was one of the big disappointments for me, simply because oh, I didn't okay. adore it yeah. in the way I thought it would. Now, from I, all I suppose I didn't like madly fall in love with it, but it really kind of stuck with me. Um, got to see it in IMAX. Which was insane. Um, I went, and do you remember oh, I did yeah, that? yeah, you have fell asleep. I went it. at 10 o'clock yeah. on opening day, and I fell asleep in the second part of it, and it became like I was in the film, yeah, and I yeah, had weird dreams yeah. for days after. Maybe I should have rewarded that. So anyway, yeah. it's Brad Pitt as an astronaut. It's set sometime in the near future, and he has to go on another kind of heart of darkness um, journey to different planets to try and find his uh, hero father, in inverted commas who the world has believed uh, has by? been dead, played by Tommy Lee Jones. Um, but actually he's alive and they think he's potentially involved in a terrorist plot that has been causing some incidents on Earth. So he kind of goes in that. Small roles as well by Ruth Nega and Donald Sutherland, but it's really kind of a Brad Pitt one-man show. Yeah, and certainly in the second half very much becomes his film. I think I was in the second half of the film in my head though. So yeah, uh, yeah no, James, James Gray's film like worth seeing but i yeah and like i don't curious to see how it would look on tv right? yeah not gonna work on tv at all so oh. uh, i'm in at eight with the irishman um we just had a great time we went got to see this t uh, together in that opening weekend mm -hmm. and film was packed out uh i was thinking back on it like it had played that one random day early in october Oh, yeah, there was like... Where a, they had like a secret preview that, again, sells out in a minute. Yeah. Um, that no one managed to get tickets for it. So, anyway, so three and a half hours. We know enough about it at this point. Uh, what's fascinating to me, I've already mentioned it, but is people have been hamming on about how it's not very good because they're watching it at home. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're watching it probably with your dinner on your knee with a cup of tea. On your phone. While on WhatsApp. Yeah. Um, texting through the whole thing. So, I mean... Looking up memes about the Irishman. Yeah. And enjoying the conversation that way and scrolling down yeah. to the Baby Yoda stuff. To me, so. the best thing about it was Joe Pesci, I think. And I think he would possibly be an early shout for a best I haven't looked at Oscar. any 
yeah uh, actor Oscar uh, Oscar mm. uh, yeah I haven't looked at any odds or anything but you would wonder where where this will fit because it is uh, it's getting a lot of play it's getting a lot of talk yeah um, alright what's your my number 8 is mid 90s it's directed by Jonah Hill um, yeah absolutely loved it very good yeah you saw talked about it, it a little bit last week as yeah. one of your faves of the decade so. saw it uh, by myself in the lesser of the Stellas, but also equally good the one in Ranla um, yeah Sonny Soljak plays Stevie who kind of is a teenage kid very early teenage kid maybe like 12 maybe not quite and sort of Joan Hill's sort of yeah directorial debut and kind of yeah, mirrored he... on his kind of childhood yeah a great depiction of anger in teenage kids and he kind of gets in with this group of skaters and uh, Lucas Hedges plays his brother. People know him from Manchester by the Sea and Catherine Waterston uh, plays the mum. So yeah, really, really good. It's also on Netflix. So it's just like The Irishman. It's quite an easy one to go and watch after you listen to our podcast. Great. So that's mid nineties. Uh, my number seven is a film that I'm not sure you've seen either. Birds of Passage. Uh, it's a Colombian crime film. If you're into Scarface, The Sopranos, Narcos, The Godfather, then uh, you'll enjoy it. It's from the same directors as Embrace of the Serpent, which you loved from oh, a couple of years brilliant. ago. Oh, brilliant! Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's about the story of a family who originally it's set in the late sixties into the seventies, and they're I think it's Wayu. Uh, is the indigenous tribe and they kind of go from you know trafficking uh drugs through the kind of jungle scene we call it the scene um and then eventually become the dominant family in an area but then it turns into like epic bloodbaths but it's set in these phenomenal settings um kind of like some of that lovely visual stuff that we would have seen in monos as well Uh, so yeah that's called birds of passage um I kept Googling it earlier, just trying to come up and find the director's name. And I kept, I thought, I thought the film was called Birds of Prey. There's a film next year, which is about uh, like DC comics with, um, what's her face? Uh, Scarlett Johansson. No, no, the DC side. Uh, Margot Robbie's character. Oh, yeah. Joker's girlfriend, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so that's it. That's called Birds of Prey. Nothing to do with this, but it's frustrating. So yeah, boom. Okay, my number seven is Booksmart. Directed by Olivia Wilde. Did I Wilde. put that in my 10? No, I put 8th grade. I, I wanted to pick one of them yeah. and I, I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Booksmart really loved it. Uh, Kathleen Deaver plays Amy and Beanie Fieldstein plays Molly. They're two friends. It's the end of high school. Uh, they're going, having really they're book nerds and um, they've done really well. So they know they're getting into college and everything. So they're like, okay, on our last night, we'll go to the big party and kind of tear it up. So it's kind of like a girl road movie and uh perfect perfect really film really loved it there's a part where it's like oh they're not going to do that thing that all kind of female based teen movies have and i was loving it for that but then they do it but you kind of forgive it anyway which is to have a big fight between the two of them and then you know you don't really get me tall and you i hate you and then they kind of make up 10 minutes later and you're like oh you kind of didn't need that yeah no, and I'd be excited to see what Olivia Wilde does next, based on that as a... Yeah, I've heard her what first her project direct. is, but I can't remember. Yeah, yeah first okay. directorial debut. Cool. Mine's the favourite. We already talked about it. Came out on New Year's Day. Yeah. Uh, so, Pitch Black Comedy from Yorgos Lanthimos. I didn't like The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Uh, I wasn't mad about... I just think it's the best thing he's done. Um, set in the early... 
18th century base kind of around some fact but in a very spoofy kind of way came at a time which is very confusing where olivia coleman was playing a queen <laughs> and then we knew the crown was coming around the corner yeah. and uh very interesting but uh right. it's about two cousins sarah played by rachel wise emma stone plays abigail and who then becomes the baroness masham uh, and they're trying to be the i don't know the it says ladies and waiting is that yeah, what you call them the court favourite is what the official plot yeah. somebody says for Queen Anne um, played by Olivia Coleman but it's it's batshit crazy it looks like with stuff with I was just thinking back on all the rabbits and the the dance scenes rub my feet and the dance scenes like but they know they it I just think yeah. it nails it absolutely nails it um, what yeah. it's what it sets out to do and obviously won lots of awards for everyone uh, I would highly recommend this to anyone and I think this is a film that is kind of universal because you would enjoy you would enjoy it even like if you're into period dramas and kind of comedies. I think, I think, as in, I'm trying to think yeah. with the mams, the mams of Ireland and would the UK. Would your parents like this? I think they might get something out of it. Am I wrong? Yeah. I don't know, because there's enough of a period drama yeah. tone to the whole thing, but. Yeah. Okay, right. my number six. And I don't know if it's going to get like a, oh, or a massive eye roll from you. Uh, Roma. Okay, well, it's not a film from this year, so therefore, uh, yeah, this so, is illegal. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, but that's not. I, I, I saw like Dune this year. Yeah, I know. But when did it officially get released in Ireland? November. You sure? Yeah. Anyway, maybe not. Right, fine. For this, for this purposes, no, no, delighted, delighted um, with that. Yeah. So Roma. It's in there at five. Wow. No six. Six. Yeah. But yeah. So mid- uh, Alfonso Cuarón. Won the uh, Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film at last year's Oscars. Um, follows the life of a uh, uh, maid in a midlife kind of, you know, middle class Mexican family in the 70s. Uh, absolutely fantastic. One of the scenes in it is kind of burned into my memory forever. So it's also another film that's on Netflix. Uh, most people will kind of have either come across it or maybe skimmed by it. So one to definitely watch. Very good. My next one, I think, came out last Halloween, according to according to the web. Anyway, on Netflix though. Um, yeah. You went to see it in the November. cinema with like some Mexican ambassador. Yeah, absolutely. So we're at the midway point at this point, and a couple of themes, a lot of foreign language films sneaking in here. I'm not going to upset that. Uh, but my next pick, which is also a Spanish language film, uh, "Pain and Glory" from Pedro Almodovar. I think it might be on your list coming up. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about it in a bit but uh to me he did julieta uh three years ago which was a very very good film but to me this is the best thing he'd done in maybe 15 or 16 years um antonio banderas plays salvador malo uh in a kind of uh exaggerated dram slightly dramatized version of pedro motivar the kind of troubled director who's sort of at the end of a career and sort of struggling for relevance and just meaning in in what they do but Mm. just loved there's something in these kind of biographical films that can work sometimes where you just encounter a character and then they're kind of just maybe gone you know and this chapter and then it's into like chapters and i i like when a film does that sort of thing it doesn't everything doesn't happen because it's gonna lead to another big turnaround in the film so just really really um hit me and loved Mm. the ending uh, so number five from me is uh, Detainment. It's a short film from Vincent Lam that I saw in the States. It was part of their Oscar package. Uh, it's a really 
hard watch one of the hardest films i've ever watched uh, it's based on the jimmy bulger interview tapes there was a lot of controversy about it when it came out because he didn't get the okay from the family which i'm kind of fine with i think you kind of have to make films and if you can't go around asking for permission for anything or nothing to get made um so yeah really harrowing um all the more kind of in ireland uh, for different cases that went on this year so i don't know if it'll ever turn up on it's the kind of thing that you might see on at midnight and orty but just with recent stuff i don't know if it'll ever actually turn up on television yeah. So Vincent Lamb might be available on Vimeo or something like that if you want to hunt it out. I'm trying it's to think, was it meant? Was it meant to have a broadcast? And then I can't remember if it did. All right. Yeah. So detainment, a short film, mm-hmm. um, but sure. Look, you're making your own rules. Breaking up. all the rules this year. Yeah. So next up for me is at four. Sorry, we missed you. The Ken Loach follow up to I Daniel Blake. With I, Daniel Blake from 2016, he tells the story of a guy who is out of work and can't work, so is relying on the state and the, for a bit of be- like for benefit and support to get back to work and get back to health, and he struggles with that. With um, sorry, we missed you. It's about a husband and wife with two kids who are doing everything right. Like they're both working workaholics. They're working around the clock for everything, but just can't catch a break. Um, bit like we talked about it in our best of the decade, I think uh, the film Rosie, where you know people haven't made any inherently bad choices, just finances haven't worked out for them. But anyway, here we see a man who's a courier, and uh, as part of this sort of Ken Loach's look at the way work working conditions and unions have kind of collapsed in the UK, and the guy is told, you know, you don't work for us, you work with us, and you've got to get your own gear, you know to get your own van all this sort of thing that is very as you as you zip if you overtake a, a delivery cyclist going around the city here in dublin um probably makes you reflect on that and yeah. when some asshole courier throws your your package from amazon yeah. in the hedge maybe cut, cut them a break i don't know it seems very much like i haven't seen it yet but it seems like quite the companion piece to absolutely it's a fantastic companion to it but just still has the exact same uh, impact of just how unjust society can be and all the more telling because uh, I saw it in the week of a couple of weeks I think after Boris Johnson had gone through some other failed election and talking about disbanding the NHS as it is and privatizing this and blah 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 mm. blah, blah so sorry to anyone who's listening from the UK for your troubles sorry for your troubles so number four from me is Marge Story uh, directed by Noah Bambach Kind of about the breakdown of marriage between Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. And we've got some great other kind of cameos slash main roles from Laura Dern, Alan Alda and Ray Liotta. Um, so yeah, really loved it. Got to see it in the cinema. It's also available on, on Netflix at the moment. Very funny, quite sad and touching at times, but um, great dynamic between all the cast. And I think a great kind of ensemble piece. All right. From moi... Scarlett Johansson uh, presented SNL Saturday Night Live the over the weekend there uh, for the sixth time. Well, I saw a sketch. She's based very on it funny. Yeah. Nile Horn was in it, and it yeah. was a terrible sketch. Yeah. Okay. She's um she's married or gone out with the head writer. One of the weekend update guys. Colin. What are you saying? No, I'm just saying in general. That's no, that's the only reason she's presented. Uh, okay. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, uh, in at three for me is the farewell, which um. You haven't seen it? No, I haven't seen it. That's one I want to try Definitely and catch up on over the yeah. break. So it's a really, really charming film. Uh, there's this Chinese kind of Hong Kong 
culture that I never knew about where when older people are sick, you don't tell them they're sick and you pretend everything's fine. And this is taken to an extreme here where uh, Nai Nai, so the grandmother figure in a in a family, has, I think, some sort of cancer and the doctors are in on it. Everyone's in on it. They're printing out fake results to show her. They're doing everything. But the biggest part of this is that her family who have emigrated to the U.S., all return so um some parents and a daughter uh played by the um comedian aquafina who is very funny in general but here takes on a fantastic dramatic angle um who they then travel and they're pretending that it's for a cousin's wedding and they have this giant over-the-top party for a wedding when in reality it's kind of like they're doing their version of awake um the big hook comes in the credits afterwards where you're like aha so I won't remember. Oh, that. okay. Yeah. Uh, my number three. Based on a true story from a This American Life uh, oh, podcast. thing, by the way. Yeah. Cool. A podcast becomes a film. Can't so that's called The I'm Farewell. Can't do that about our life. Yeah, I presume so. So that's called The Farewell. So number three from me is, Nigel already mentioned it, Pain and Glory. Um, yeah, I would kind of echo everything you said. Uh, love the just kind of gentle hand of the film, the slowness. The, the flashbacks work really well. They don't jar. And then there's... Um, stuff going on as well which i totally didn't um catch until the very end until the big yeah. reveal which i loved i was just like oh yeah brilliant um and pure classic pure cinema yeah yeah just absolutely lovely very good in at number two for me is a documentary can you guess i think you probably know do you documentary oh it's not going to be the bob dylan thing no uh the rolling thunder the scene in the cinema did you, did you see you. in the cinema yeah Oh, it's me. The moon. Oh, okay. Apollo 11. Apollo 11. So this, um, whatever it was about this, this was a film uh, crafted with newly discovered archive and newly discovered audio recordings from the moon landing. It tells it all kind of in real time. It doesn't no frame what heads. they're doing, why they were doing it. Um, it focuses very much on the how, the science, the technology, and the pure strength of character that these these men and women had and just gives gives this really simple shot of what it was like to actually be alive in july 1969 watching it from cape canaveral all these viewing points it just absolutely it is kind of that perfect time of america it seems so cinematic like everyone's wearing a suit and yeah they're in like texas shooting this stuff and pissing sweat and full of suits as they're watching yeah it. so directed by todd douglas miller and again maybe they'll do a best of the years imax the viewing experience for that kind of was ruined because there was an old guy beside us who just kept talking the entire way through the film yeah i was like oh, it's like i'm at home watching something with my dad yeah so apollo 11 worth looking up if you can see it. yeah look good on your phone yeah. uh, number two from me is uh, little women only saw this uh, oh, yeah. a couple of days ago. Um, Pre-release. Yes. Coming it out on, I think, St. Stephen's Day. Day. Yeah, uh, it's absolutely brilliant. Sir Sharon and Emma Watson, Florence Poe and Liza Scanlon all play the Marsh sisters. Uh, we have Laura Darn as their marmy. Um, and Timothy Chalamet is the kind of main love interest in it. But um, it's absolutely fantastic. The dynamic between them is brilliant. Um, spoiler, uh, if it's possible to spoil... Uh, really old book that's already been made into a film the handling of beth's death is done really well um so yeah absolutely brilliant Saoirse Ronan should be a shoo-in for an oscar for it 
but not Greta Gerwig didn't get a Golden Globe, which probably means nomination, which probably means the yeah. But I think highlights that yeah the Golden Globe, uh, Hollywood Foreign Press yeah have slightly less relevance and awareness of yeah. what's going on. So uh, looking so, forward to that. Yeah, it's really good. Try and catch it over the break. Cool. Alrighty, we've already talked about it. My number one film from the year 2019 is Marriage Story. So uh, amusing that I started the decade with Blue Valentine um, as my best film from 2010. And I'm closing it a film about heartbreak, loss, collapse of what seems to be a perfect relationship, ending that. Everything okay? You're getting on okay? Yeah, yeah it was grand in the middle of the decade, you know. I was, I was enjoying the Marvel films for a few years. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is just to me just hit me like no other film and just shows because it's got humor but also such such sadness and in a in a relationship that was possibly never talked out properly and yeah just really really enjoyed it i think one thing of note that i will add that i've really enjoyed is how this has been written about in a lot of ways but the netflix thing hasn't harmed it like it has helped it's done very well in the cinema Mm. remained in the cinema but what it does is it means lots more people are seeing it the internet at large are talking about it. It feels like yeah. for both Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, they haven't had mm. a film with this much kind of editorial content and, and social Netflix media thing, stuff. Like, and viewing figures, it's great. There's an Irish film that's on come onto it recently, A Hole in the Ground. And you're kind of being like, yeah, probably a couple of hundred thousand people will see this over the world, whereas it got seen by what? A couple of thousand in Ireland and different reasons. So it's great. And I hope some of the fil- films we mention kind of managed to make it to broad viewing platforms you know yeah so that's it so that's marriage story do you know what my number one is tell me uh be it uh yeah it's directed by mark jenkins Um, it's getting a re-release kind of over christmas maybe from now uh, it's in the ifi it was where it was first shown where i saw it a couple of months ago uh stars edward Rowe, giles king and some other people kind of based in the cornish coast um yeah, it was shot on a kind of wind-up Bolex camera that can't record sound, so the sound was all recorded in post. So it sounds a bit like a weird spaghetti western. Um, absolutely loved it. Black and white, 16mm uh, film. Um, hopefully going to get to see it again with Nigel over the next Yeah, week very so. much. Hoping to get to it. And can't hasn't shown up on any home media or streaming platform yet, so... No, I'd say it's kind of still doing the rounds of like going around cinemas. Is it a film like film four kind of thing? Could be actually, maybe yeah. So we'll get because some it. of them film four have started showing a certain amount of films. Um, yeah, actually for free, like for free on the all four player, like and which is great to get to see. Yeah, so I suppose those are our top tens of the year, and when we were more. Uh, content driven a, a blog a blog have uh, you we, seen my blog yeah we would um uh, the michelle wolf netflix thing is very good sorry she's just released there's a joke about a blog in it that i'm kind of laughing about um we would ask people for their top tens of the year so because now we're solely a podcast medium um, we sent out the feelers to get people to submit their films of the year and what we're going to do is close out on a selection of those so uh, everybody I think has introduced their name apart from one person I think um, but they know who they are so yeah enjoy thanks for listening over 2019 alright thanks very much happy Christmas happy new year we are going to see Star Wars in a couple of days and we might come back over that and then we'll be back in January with a look ahead to 2020 hello Mick McGovern here my film of the year is Lulu Wang's The Farewell 
uh, a comedy drama about an immigrant Chinese family who discover their grandmother is dying and decide not to tell her. Um, thought it told the immigrant immigrant story well, uh, the anger and sadness on both sides, and didn't do the culture clash too broad. So that's my film of the year. My name is Carol. My film of the year is Ken Loach's Sorry We Missed You. Uh, so grim, but so good. And it has changed the way I think about and receive careers. Number two is probably Wild Rose. Great feel-good film. Love the country music and the boots. That's it. So I did not see a lot of films this year, and so my opinion isn't worth that much, but I will give it to you anyway. Um, I loved Midsommar. Um, I absolutely loved it until maybe the last 10%, which was really annoying and frustrating and vague. But um, I love the rest of it so much that it would probably take the first place for this year. Um, I also found eighth grade incredibly uncomfortable to watch. Um, but I think that's a sign of a really good film and made me terrified about having a teenager one day. Uh, Oscar films loved Green Book in a really obvious uh, straight away, made me feel good, um, really enjoyed it. And then also Will You Ever Forgive Me, which was more of a grower, um, but that would be in there as well. And finally, to round off a top five, I would say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I love how much space the film had. Um, scenes went on for ages without anything hugely dramatic having to happen. And I don't think many directors would get away with that. Okay, that's all. Thank you. Hello, Spool. I am Colm. Apparently, I am a friend of Spool's. Um, I saw three films this year which stood out for me. They were Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, Joker, and Eighth Grade. Then again, there's lots of films that I really wanted to see this year, but didn't get a chance to. And three of those films I'm going to see between now and the end of the year. They are Bait, Marriage Story, and The Irishman. So potentially my top three films of 2019 might all change between now and the actual end of 2019. Happy Christmas. Hello, Spool listeners. This is Zoe with my favorite films of 2019. Top of the list for me, number one spot is Parasite by Bong Joon-ho. Number two, Pain and Glory by Pedro Almodovar. I think it's one of his best films yet. Number three, Diamantino, a Portuguese film directed by Gabriel Labrantes and Daniel Schmidt. It's surreal and hilarious. I really recommend checking it out. Number four, Roma by Alfonso Cuaron, which probably should have been one of my favorite films of 2018, but I was just a little bit late checking it out. Number five, Never Look Away by Florian Henkel von Donersmark, his film loosely based on the life of painter Gerhard Richter. Number six, First Cow, directed by Kelly Reichardt, and that's a film about friendship on the American frontier. Number seven was Michael Apted's 63 Up, the latest installment in his 7-Up documentary series. That one had me sobbing in the theater. Number eight, Lucky Grandma by Sacy Seely. And number nine, Les Miserables. Not the musical with Hugh Jackman and Russell Crowe, rather a new film by Lodge Lee. And I'm leaving my number 10 slot open for now because I'm hoping to see a lot of films in the next couple weeks while I'm on holiday. But for now, wishing you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hey Spool, Colin here. My top five of the year are In No Order, Fire Festival, Anima featuring Tom York, The Great Hack, Knives Out and Hole in the Ground. That's all.
Hi, it's Lisa. My films of 2019 are The Favourite, Two Words, Olivia Coleman. Can You Ever Forgive Me? Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant were amazing together. Roma, just a perfect film. Greta, super creepy, but in a great way. Booksmart, hilarious and heartwarming. Extraordinary, just fell in love with this odd little film. Marriage Story, fascinating relationship to watch. And Little Women, the scenes with all the girls together, just being teenagers, are stunning. Hi, my name is Stu Daly and these are my top five films of 2019. Number five was Apollo 11, with the original footage and audio from the launch. And number four was a Diego Maradona biopic that like, looked at his time in Napoli. It's great to see because I guess the year previously during the World Cup he was kind of stealing headlines from the Argentinian team for, for the wrong reasons. Number three was the Amazing Grace, the Aretha Franklin live concert from the 70s. It was captivating seeing her at the peak of her powers at 27 years old. Um, number two was Booksmart, the um, Olivia Wilde directorial debut, I think it was. Um, but it's just really, really funny, great film. And number one was The Favourite, um, which I just, I loved it from start to finish. Um, probably my favourite film the last couple of years, let alone 2019. So thanks for listening. Uh, have a good year and go on the spill. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one.